1: This is Tom and Zeus from the Shout It Out Loudcast. And this is Ace Fraley. And this is Gene Simmons from KISS. And you, the fan, are listening to the Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. The ultimate rock community podcast. Eh.
0: Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is another episode of the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well and staying safe. I do say the same thing at the beginning of every episode because we got a lot going on right now. And I hope everyone's doing what they need to do to stay happy, to keep a smile on their face. And just like always, we're offering Escape for you with musical commentary, great interviews like the one that we're going to be doing today as I welcome in from the legendary metal band Armored Saint, Mr. John Bush. How you doing today, John? What's going on?
2: Hi. What's happening, Jay? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Doing
0: well. Thank you very much for doing this. The new album is yeah. out, Punching the Sky, which I am just crazy excited about. It's one of your best releases to date, and glad to have you on to discuss it.
2: Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to uh, hear you have such nice comments about it, and... Uh you know, we love uh, we love the city of Chicago, and uh, we uh, hope you guys are staying safe there. And, um, you know, we're one day excited to come and tour not only that territory, but everywhere else in the world when this uh, madness lifts.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know you guys play Reggie's often when you come to Chicago, and great place to play, great uh, music venue. And it is, you know, different having almost a full year of no live music. And it's something that, you know, a lot of rock fans miss. I'm sure performing is something that you guys miss too as well, interacting with your fans, feeling that synergy that you have with the crowd. And hopefully as we get into 2021, hopefully by spring, we start to announce some shows. People are feeling better about the circumstances and we can all – get back to normal or as close as it can be?
2: Yeah, not only do I want to perform and uh, play some shows, obviously, especially when you have a new record and you're excited about playing a bunch of new material live, but I also want to go to some shows. So, um, yeah, you know, this has been a, um, you know, like, obviously we, the one thing about being uh, having a pandemic is, is really that there's a whole kind of collective circumstance where everyone's involved the whole world you know everyone can relate to some degree so um yeah, it's been a it's been a challenging time for for the earth and um hopefully you know we'll look back on this and go wow that that's not but we're, we're moving on you know yeah and, yeah you know that feeling i it, i equate it with a <laughs> i remember being in line at um some of the festivals i would go to when i was when i was a young kid and it was beginning of of my life with going to rock festivals and stuff. And um, I remember being in the midst of, of all the intensity of, of the crowd waiting to try to get in. And then of course, like, you, you know, if you spent the night and uh, always that some guy like seven in the morning, they are opening the gates and you're like, why didn't everyone get all this stuff? And then of course they're not opening the gates for another two hours. And everyone's just crammed together after being hung over. And I have vivid memories of that. And it's, it's one of the most torturous feelings I remember ever having. But then once you actually get in the gig, and then you're you're sitting there and you're like waiting for the show to start, and you're like, all right, I guess I wasn't that bad. But at the time, it feels absolutely horrible, and that's kind of like what's happening. I think hopefully with this, is that while we're going through this, it's gonna it's gonna feel horrible and uh, awful and like a lot of frustration and and just uh, just a lot of. Uh, the feelings of, of just wanting this to be over, but hopefully when it is finally done, we're going to look back and go, all right, I guess it wasn't that bad. Let's move on. I hope it comes to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and the whole thing too with live shows, you know, it's like everyone that I know that goes to concerts or, you know, shows like I do, You know, we're all itching to go, you know, and, you know, some of us are, are a little bit more, you know, conservative in, in terms of how they want to approach going to a show once things open up, some people are more just, "Hey, let's just go." And there's a mixed bag with you know, depending on who you talk to. And I think it's you know, the, there'll be a, the initial pause or the initial caution when things do open up, but I think eventually, once people start to see that it is safe, and you know, there there really hasn't been any issues, and we're keeping our fingers crossed that that is what happens, but. Once people, right, I, think, I, right. you know, I think, that see that it is safe, you're going to see just an explosion of people going back to seeing live concerts again.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. And you'll probably have some really, really great gigs because there's people going to just be yearning and, and just waiting and, and being so excited that someone's performing. I mean, you might have the worst performers ever having the most incredible shows, you know? So um, people are just going to be chomping at the bit and, and like I said, it'll probably lead to a lot of really great performances. And do what you got to do. Like, you know, whatever it is, man, you know, I want to play. And, you know, I, I'm i a singer and I'm a performer and I want to travel the world. So I'd be more apt to go get the vaccine immediately. But that's me. That's because that's what I I know I have to be around a lot of people. So I'm ready. Let's bring it on. Like, I know there's some kind of uh, apprehension for some people. And, you know, I'm not here to judge anybody about what they're the feelings are but do what you got to do to be able to do those things if you want to keep wearing a mask at a show do it just so you can go you know whatever it's going to take to get people to feel comfortable and confident about watching shows and 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 going but doing what they feel like they got to do i mean who cares you know do what you got to do just just be just feel good about wanting to go see shows and and hopefully that's around the bend.
0: yeah i agree and i hope so too but we always, you know, start the same way every time we have a new guest on the show. And that is the essence of the podcast, which is just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
2: Wow. Um, well... That's a good question, and I guess I was a little unprepared for this, even though you did send a nice long email, of, or, or Nikki did from Metal Blade, <laughs> to tell me what I'm going to be talking about. But um, you know, it, I, I'd say probably one of the the first things that had an impact on me, believe it or not, was the first Black Sabbath song, because um, my brother, who was seven years older than me, he, he um, he exposed me to that I was probably about six maybe seven years old um and he was already a fan of, of Sabbath and Zeppelin and various groups and um and I think that he his primary objective was to scare me because he knew that first song at that young age might kind of actually hearing the rain and then the crazy wow you know it's so ominous sounding and uh, devastating that I, I think he his thought process would it, 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 he wanted to expose me to it and he, he knew it was uh, such a great song and had this um, killer feeling to it, but I think he also wanted to scare me a little bit, which he did. he turned all about the lights, put that song on with the lyrics you know I mean that's just a you know, let's face it, it's one of the most legendary heavy metal songs in the world and um, and it did have that impact and even though I was a little bit frightened at a young age, um, I, you know, obviously to this day, still one of the best metal tunes of all time. And those three notes, I think, definitely has, uh, you know, a hook that you just is undeniable for any metal fan from that record coming out. So still this day, if you're exposed to heavy metal at a young age like I was. So uh, let's go with that one. Black Sabbath.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Where did it evolve from there? You know, when did it become, you know, attractive to you to want to become a singer and want to get up on stage and play and perform?
2: Well, there, there was a time. Obviously, I was really young being exposed to that stuff. As a matter of fact, I remember being at school then and, and you know, he played me a Zeppelin. And I would write Zeppelin and Savage on my notebook. And again, I was in the fourth grade. I was probably about nine years old. Um, certainly I don't think any other kids for the most part were, were writing that on their notebooks or their peachies or, or you know what I mean? I was, I was pretty into it and it had an impact on me. It did. Um, and so I, 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 loved those groups. And then eventually I was exposed to more music. I feel the seventies to me is, is, is my, is the, is the, really the decade. I think is the most uh, important to me personally, just because um, whether, it was hard rock or heavy metal, if you will, or even pop music or R and B. There was so many amazing groups that came out during that era, from from the 1970 to 1979, and um, uh, so many amazing records that had such an impact on me. Anything from you know Frampton Comes Alive. which I was just listening to yesterday, was a spectacular record that was, um, and uh, you know Devlin Sabbath to the Sweet to Elton John. Earth, when it's fire, um, it just goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, obviously the Scorpions and Ben Lizzie and UFO, and, um, you know, early priests and, you know, just, you know, as far as rock and ACDC and Aerosmith. I mean, like, again, this is, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that was in the part of that decade. So all of that really seeped into my feeling of loving music. And then it was in junior high when um, a friend of mine, he was my next door neighbor, he was pretty um, inventive guy and he was really... Somebody who pursued listening to lots of different bands. His name was David Avila. He actually lost his life a while back, but um, he was awesome. He was just a really, he really was the kind of guy who went out and bought records and said, We should check this out. It's, I heard about this band, and it was like Head East or uh, The Gods or Angel or, um, you know, Ben Lizzie. Or, and when they're like, Who? Because you know, they were not being played on you know, rock radio at that time, you know, some of those bands. So, um, I mean, and you know we exposed ourselves to a lot of music, um, and he was really one of the people that kind of was the the main, uh, in like I said, person really looking out for all these different kind of off the radar groups. And then he wanted to put the, a band together for this talent show at our at our junior high school. He asked me if I wanted to sing. Um, I was saying, well, why why do you think I should sing? I never really sang, and and he said, well, you kind of have that lead singer or uh, about you you know you're, you're kind of popular you know you have a big mouth maybe um you know it's like okay so then we put a band together and um, joey vera was in the band he played guitar at the time and we were like a six piece we had a guitarist two guitars keyboard bass player drummer vocalist and um, we ended up playing a couple of songs for our junior high talent show we played which was weird, it feels like the first time by Foreigner, which is another amazing band, a great singer, Lou Graham. Um, and then we played rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. And um, I'm sure it probably sounded really horrible, in particular myself, but uh, the crowd loved it. and We did great. And that was like our first kind of feeling of ever being on stage. And, and I got the bug and, and, and then never let, and never let off after that moment.
0: You know, when you think about that moment and then you, you get that spark and that's the kind of path that you want to go down, the journey that you want to, you know, experience, when you talk about some of the songs that you did, you know, The Foreigner and the Led Zeppelin, when it came to writing music, when did that begin for you?
2: Well, that band was short-lived. And I think we did one more little talent show thing and uh, it was great, you know, in junior high. I mean, like, really? 15, 14 years old. So to be doing that, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, in our little community, uh, we were kind of rock stars, but, you know, then it, then it petered out. And then, then from there, we developed, um, the kind of the early, uh, incarnation of Armored Saint, if you will. It was a, it was Phil, myself and Joey. And it was a, another band's name called Royal Decree, um, which I ended up using in a lyric, um, Later on, on the Win Down record, but um, which I kind of wanted to bring it back and honor that band name, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but um, we did covers, and then we did started trying to write some of our own tunes. At that point, we only wrote a couple, but um, and we played some backyard parties and um, and you know in our community again, and and then that was kind of the step up of from that first thing we did, and that was the beginning of Armored Sane and then that kind of petered out and um and then Joey went his own way he joined a band called Greg Leon Invasion which was Greg Leon was a was a popular guitar player in the LA club circuit he was uh Tommy Lee was in his first band called Sweet 19 and Joey ended up joining joining that band Tommy was already gone from that band but Joey did join it and um so he Joey really took the step of going from this like kind of community local band to being in the L.A. club circuit at a very young age something we had. Um, and then and then, um, Armored thing kind of came back around to creating, to forming. I transferred to high schools. I met Dave Pritchard um, and and Dave. I, I introduced Dave to Gonzo and Phil, and we all kind of became friends with, well, with Dave. And then they actually, it was Gonzo Phil and Dave who kind of just started jamming in, in their garage. And because I had a PA, it was like, "Well, John, you should sing." And I was like, "Okay." Eventually, I came around to to jamming with them, and then that was the that was the beginning of Armor Saint. And and then as we kind of figured, we had a different bass player, but we knew that really there was a missing piece to the puzzle, and that was Joey. So we had to kind of um, we had to pry Joey out of this other group and and convince him to join Armor Saint. And it was hard at first because Joey was already doing something in this other band, which was much more popular and especially playing with Greg Leon, who was like I said, a pretty successful guy in the club circuit, but it was just that family persona that we had developed with Armored even at that early stage where we, it was just clear that we needed Joey in the band and it was, it became clear to him. So, um, you know, it was, uh, that was the beginning of that band. And, um, and then we, we started playing clubs and, Played a couple high schools and uh, got the ball rolling, and you know it was just another level of playing to more people and, um, and and playing more rock concerts, which was uh, you know, something I'm still doing to this day.
0: As far as you know, writing music, you know, was there a moment when you heard a song that? You, you know, inspired you to pick up pen and, and you know, and to write lyrics to music, you know, and what was that evolution like for you? Because your writing style is, you know, leaves leaves it up to the listener to interpret what they're feeling and what they wanna kinda define the song as. And it's it's a very cool writing style. When you know, what was that evolution like for you?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember exactly how I writing lyrics way back when um, but I, you know I still to this day I, I write lyrics with a pencil and on paper and I have my like my journal of lyrics and ideas and uh, phrases and, and that's the thing I always use and I still to this day like I said it go back to it and I've had that for quite a while um, I think that in the early stages of Saint when we started writing songs you know I wanted to write lyrics that even back then, were were thought provoking. Of course, I was like eighteen, um, you know, and and was very in, uh, impressed by uh, the groups that I was listening to at the time, which of course was like Priest and and even Iron Maiden and Motorhead, because those were the bands that were having this, the impact as we were really kind of starting this band. Um, but I did know that you know I loved all those people's writing styles, Steve Harris, and uh, you know people like Rob Halford and. Um, you know, geezer Butler writing lyrics and um, you know, all these things that, that were telling a story, but having kind of a subliminal meaning behind it. And I think that was something that had an impact on me. Then as a matter of fact, one of the first songs Armor ever wrote was no reason to live, which was a really cool song from the standpoint. Of it, it was, it was a conversation between this, this old man and this young boy. And the old man was, telling the young boy he's going to have this really hard life. and he is in a, you know, It's going to be really difficult. And the young boy was saying, well, why are you being so negative about this? I, I have my whole life ahead of me and I want to have a happy life. And, and then the old man keeps, you know, kind of coming down on him. And, you know, and the end of the story is that the old man is him later in life and telling him that, you know, it's just like, you have no reason to live. And it was pretty negative. It was pretty cynical topic, but it was still thought provoking um, and I think it had an influence on a couple other bands later in time, um, lyrically. And, um, it was, it was the kind of thought of wanting that kind of set the ball rolling as to wanting to write songs that had that kind of meaning behind it. The next one was like, you're never alone, which was also a song that, um, was about a, you know, serial killer, but, um, try to have this kind of slight sarcastic humor with the serial killer as he's about to kill these, these women. And, uh, you know, of course, it was probably inspired by the Ripper. And, um, but, you know, it was, it was trying to take this idea of it and then do something a little more with it. Like I said, add this kind of humor that went with it on that particular song. and um, You know, that's kind of found its way here and there through the years and Armored Saint songs. Because I do like to add, inject a sense of humor with the things because I think it's important, um, you know, depending on the song. So, in those early stages, writing, wanting to make words rhyme, wanting to find a way to have good rhythm, um, but importantly, having, you know, a cool chorus, I think even then was something that I think we knew was important for a rock song. Where do you
0: get your inspiration to write? I mean, you know, now more than ever, you know, when people are, not really living the life that they want to live right now, meaning that they're doing kind of the same things every day, they're staying at home more, you know, there's, there's, you know, especially for creative people, you know, there has to be that inspiration. And, you know, has it been difficult during this time to find that inspiration? Or, you know, do you normally get that inspiration from somewhere else that it's, it's, it's not as much of a challenge as many would think?
2: Well, I, I can, you know, when it comes to lyrics, I feel like no topic is is uh, something I can't um, challenge myself with writing about whatever it is, even if it doesn't have like the quote unquote kind of metal premise behind it. I feel like there's, there's nothing I can't write about anything. So um, I'm really open-minded when it comes to that. Um, I, you know, I, I, obviously I like to read a lot. I like to read, you know, what's happening in the world. I also like to read books. Um, you know, uh, I, I could take information and or, or take ideas from conversations I've had with people. Um, you name it; it doesn't really matter. Anything that's a source of inspiration that could boot, perhaps find its way into lyrics, uh, I'll, I'll I'll embrace it. So, um, from that perspective, uh, you know, I obviously there's a lot of social commentary that found its way onto punching the sky. But I think it's a time when um, I don't necessarily feel like. I, my approach is: here's my definite perspective, and you should think this way. Um, mine is more about raising questions and being slightly vague with what I'm trying to say. I know what maybe in my mind I'm trying to say sometimes, but I like sometimes it's uh, the listener interprets it differently, and I like that. I think that that's really uh, interesting. It can change the premise of a song. And I, I think that to me that, that kind of makes the song endless uh, in a way or timeless. And I, I think that's just a kind of way I approach lyrics. So again, sometimes in my mind, I'm thinking, this is what I want to say. This is what my mindset is behind it. But if it opens the door to somebody else as a listener, that makes them think a certain way that's different. I think that's really awesome and exciting. So, um, you know, it right now and more than ever, there's certainly many things to choose from to write about. I don't only want to make it social commentary. I like to write about my own personal feelings regarding certain situations. Um, I, you know, again, it, it could be an endless uh, array of, of topics that if you don't put any limitations on, you can you can find something to write about. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, on the new album, any of the attention span is is an obvious song about um, you know how the, the world of technology is affecting us and affecting the youth of, 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 of today and and you know how we're gonna find a balance um, a song like Lone Wolf is more of a personal feeling um, where it's written about how, how it's what it's like to be alone for long stretches of time and and in a world where people count on others how sometimes people live their own lives and are kind of can be a recluse in some way. And I think that those people need to be acknowledged. Um, The song unfair was written about a tragic car accident where two children lost their lives that I knew. So I I felt very impacted by that situation. And I felt like I had to write about it, even though it was a kind of a very delicate topic to write about. And I, I felt almost like writing about it maybe was wrong, but I still wanted to um you know it, it it just depends on my feeling and the song and what those songs are making me feel at the time
0: it also allows the song to evolve with the listener because let's face it you know we are constantly evolving as humans from you know throughout life you know we don't hear things the same way you know as we did in our 20s as we do now in our 40s and 50s so you know that that is you know something that has always been with your writing style, very cool because it allows the song to grow with the person as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important, like I said, to, to be able to write something that um, various people may identify with in a different way. And I think um, to me, that's, um, that's something that I I yearn to do to this day. I felt like um, through the years I was, trying to do it and maybe never or sometimes didn't always accomplish what I wanted to do but had that mindset behind it um, and when it comes to lyrics you know I I, I feel like it's it's something that um, how words rhyme using different words trying to use words that I haven't used before which is always a challenge um, you know I'll, I'll write a, w- a lyric or a phrase and I'll think I use that lyric before? Uh, I use my trusty thesaurus often, mainly because I want (laughs) to, I love to expand my own vocabulary for starters. And secondly, I just think there's a lot of amazing words out there um, and I would like to utilize them in lyrics. So uh, the key, of course, is how can you make that word sound correctly? Um, You know, if you have a long word, several syllables, um, you know, maybe not something that's Normally written in a song, um, but using it because it's it's the right meaning. Then how can you sing it? Um, you know, once you write it, my goal okay, those two lines rhyme and they, they they work very well together. But how's it going to be if when I sing it with this particular melody? It's very challenging. It's like a puzzle you put together, and um, it's it's it. You know what? I've felt very lucky over the last couple records that. I haven't got to a point where I've had some major writer's block and I'm going, Oh my God, I can't make this work. And why can't I make this work? I don't know. It's, it's come pretty easily to me, um, which I knock on wood I'm grateful for. Um, so maybe it's just because again, like I said, I have a really open mind when it comes to writing. Um, I don't really worry too much about whether or not, you know, it fits a, a, a particular style, um, that, <clears throat> Farmer has to uh, adhere to you know I, I think that that kind of just makes our band even more broad when it comes to being you know a hard rock band where we keep pushing the boundaries um, and keep challenging the fans and the listeners and I feel like I can do that lyrically because the band keeps doing it so um, and you know what I think it's working for us
0: The new album is Punching the Sky the album was released a few weeks back it's a incredible record um you know being an armored saint fan i was very excited to get it and i was even more excited to hear the music what was the process was this was it any different was this recorded during the pandemic that you know was going on or was this recorded before
2: no we were actually fortunate we had some good luck at this time in the saint world where um we started recording in the beginning of january and um we we really pretty much had all the recording done by the time those were uh the the lockdowns were being required and um we 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 gave the you know the 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 tapes well it's not tapes any longer now it's just a chip to uh jay ruston um who mixed the album and did a spectacular job for us and you know he he probably has his own home studio where he just kind of works and uh, i'm sure we really would prefer us not to be in the studio during the mixing process like maybe we were back in the 80s and um, you know, wanted to work on his own, sent us stuff. I said, what do you think? Most of the time we were saying, it sounds incredible. And um, so uh, we weren't limited by the whole COVID thing in terms of affecting our schedule. It, we always knew we'd, we'd shoot for an October release. and um, We just wanted to get the mixing done and um, the recording was pretty much done. As a matter of fact, a lot of the vocals where I recorded Joey's home studio, a lot of them were from the original demos that we did. Not all of them. Uh, There's things I certainly could have sang better and or you know maybe the tuning wasn't right because we were just trying to get the idea down quickly when we did the demos. But a lot of the original vocals we did keep, which was cool. A little less work for me. Um, and you know I, I love sometimes when it comes to vocal passes, sometimes like those first couple takes that you do nothing's like it no matter what so um you know we kept a lot of that stuff which was great and um you know we just were we kept we kept to the schedule that we we originally thought we were going to make which was again October 23rd and um you know for me it, it never was an idea to hold the record back because um of the live performance issue that's going on because for me there's no live performances so the last thing you should do to fans who say and we're not giving you our record yet either uh you can't see us play and we're not giving you our record because we're going to hold it back i can imagine holding this record and not having people listen to it i would have been freaking out because we're so proud of it so um we really wanted to just keep the record scheduled and put it out when it was going to happen and um so i figure eventually people are gonna by the time we play everyone should know all the songs very well so that should be great for us but uh yeah, I'm really proud of this record. I think it it just continues this progress that we've made as a band and you know that's that's all you really strive for as a musician.
0: You know, it's interesting because you've got a song on the album called End of the Attention Span and what you just <laughs> talked about with you know putting out a record during the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on as we talked about in the beginning of the show and to keep people's attention span you need to keep giving them music, or people will forget about you because everything is so, you know, what what is here today is, di- you know, different by the following week, and people lose interest very quickly. So there are two trains of thought with what's happening and what's going on with the pandemic. Do you hold a record so when you can, you know, when it comes back, you can tour on it? Well, that is so unknown right now because no one really knows when... There's going to be touring again. I mean, people are speculating, but anybody that speculates needs to say at the very end or the beginning, "I really don't know," but this is what I I think is going to happen. So, it's it's and then there's the other decision, like with what Armored Saint did, is release the album during the pandemic, give their fans, you know, something to listen to while they're sitting at home, give them give them time to absorb it, because as I mentioned. With the, you know, with the new ACDC album Everyone's raving about the new ACDC album And I always ask that question Is it being received differently Because people don't have much going on And people have time to absorb it And people have time to get excited about it And listen to it over and over again And it's the same thing with Punching the Sky You're allowing your fans to have a chance to kind of absorb it Like they used to back when you first started
2: yeah you know I think you know and, and i'm I'm happy a c d c put the record out because they're they're obviously a different type of band than same because obviously they're much more famous, sure. but um they could easily hold their record back because they want to put it in conjunction with a tour uh, which is what every, you know people do obviously you know put a record out and then you go and do shows you know or or you know buy, sometimes people go out and do shows before the record's out to promote the record, whatever it is, but they usually go hand in hand obviously um but like I said, to, for a band like ATDC to hold their record back would have made more sense because their tour is going to be giant and they're going to play arenas and stadiums or whatever. For a band like St., you know, uh, it's not like we had some 60-day tour already planned and it, it's going to mess it all up. It's, you know, it's just not this. we don't have that success. So um, it, it would, it, to me, giving people our record, giving them the chance to be at home, you know, put on their headphones, have a beer, escape, what's happening that's like the perfect uh, antidote for what's happening i think our record so um you know i'm happy ACDC didn't put their album that uh, hold their record back and um you know i think people need music we were you know we're just bleeding for it you know and we're we need it we're yearning we can't we, we we need all these different things to keep us occupied while sometimes we're just stuck at home and maybe stuck at home more in the next couple months because of what's happening so um yeah, you know, I think it's its never been more of an important time to, to put music out. And, you know, the shows will happen. They will happen. When they do happen, they'll happen. And like I said, people are going to be probably more excited than ever when those shows happen, and they'll know the material. So um, I, I think it's, you know, based on what's happening, uh, it's a win-win scenario with that. Um, you know, obviously there's <laughs> there's really no win scenarios with COVID. I mean, I was thinking about it last night. I was riding my bike home from um, the office where I work at, or uh, that my wife and I have a studio that we run. And um, I was riding home and thinking about his, I mean, you know, this whole COVID thing, you know, it did bring our family together and we did spend a little more time having meals and chewing the fat more than maybe we didn't. Although my family, me and my wife and my two kids are pretty close as it is normally anyway. But, um, you know, I guess that was something that in the beginning I thought, okay, this is this is happening and this is cool and we're staying at home and we're you know, we're maybe spending more time together. But really other than that, I, I really tried to find a lot more silver linings to it and I just I really couldn't. <laughs> I really couldn't. I was like, God, this is just this is just jacked up people's lives so much and businesses, you know, and small businesses and um, you know, and paychecks and, and people's livelihoods. Livelihoods and you know the anxiety is created. You know it's just and probably the alcoholism uh, increase. You know um, it's I don't know and it's we just we got to get past it. But um, you know I'm a positive guy for the most part and I try to find you know the optimistic outlook and I found a little bit with COVID, but but not too much, <laughs> truthfully.
0: Well, I think the positive thing for you know anyone releasing a new album is like you said, it gives. It gives the listener a chance to really absorb it because when you when we're, you know, living our normal lives under normal circumstances, we have a lot of things pulling us in different directions these days. And, sure. you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, it gives a fan a chance to absorb the material. So they're excited about it because, you know, let's face it, you know, a band like Armored Saint that's been around for a while. You know, they, everybody knows this, the songs that they remember as a kid, like, you know, Can You Deliver and, and songs like that. So it gives, like you said, a, a fan to be excited about this material being played live, you know, whether, you know, it's the, it's the standing on the shoulder of giants or missile to gun. You know, it's, it's like I want to hear those songs because I've been listening to it for months now and I really want to check it out live.
2: Well, that, and that, that is a positive for sure. And that's, that's great. And So we want to play them live. You know, God, it's like a weird feeling to, to have written. Well, we did the one live stream show at the Whiskey Go-Go uh, uh, a couple of weeks before the record came out, which was great. And we were prepared for that by rehearsing and learning, obviously, a few new songs. We played four of them. But, you know, it was a weird feeling to go, okay, we're going to learn new songs. And we're so excited about playing new material, injected in with some of the classics and other deep tracks whatever and then that was it it was like one show and and i was it we're done it was a weird it was a weird feeling and it was it let it really left us hanging because we we're excited about performing these songs and maybe even learning more new songs and um but you know again uh, the, the positive is that it will happen it's gonna happen you know i i'm, I'm a believer that you know we'll we'll figure this out and um, hopefully, this vaccine and these couple of vaccines that are on the horizon are gonna come save us and um, or at least make us feel better about things and um, about going out and and and, you know, you know being able to feel good about being in large groups of people. you know, I mean, come on, rock concerts, I mean that we might be the last thing that happens or big sporting events, you know, and I mean, those are magical moments in your life. You know, some of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. As a human being, is being at a show and 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 having the impact of a band and and the songs I love hearing them live, or even being at a sporting event that was just amazing, you know, uh, they have season tickets to the Kings and and going to their you know Stanley Cup final run in the, four, in the year fourteen, you know, I mean, like those are special moments that you're sharing with uh, lots of other people, and it's just an it's just an amazing feeling and, and I really miss that and I think a lot of people do and and like I said hopefully what was going to happen out of this is this it's going to be like we're bursting and um when it when it does happen you'll probably have some really really special moments between fans and 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 between performers and and, and athletes or or you know whatever people you know actors in play is like you'll probably just you'll probably see a lot of really really riveting performances when this is all said and done. And, and that'll be, that'll be a great aspect.
0: Being from Chicago, that 2014 Western conference finals between the Hawks and the Kings still, <laughs> still
2: uh, <laughs> kills me. Sorry, Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. I know. Well, you got, you know, you know, it was a couple of years where it went back and forth between the Kings and the Hawks. It was amazing. It was yeah. The Hawks, and the Kings and the Hawks. Yeah. It was incredible rivalry there. and um, Really some special hockey and, um, uh, you know, Chicago is such an amazing city, you know, with, um, with sports. uh, you know, when I was in Anthrax, we always used to say that, you know, some of the most amazing legendary shows are in Chicago and, um, you know, uh, it's just a great city. It's, you know, I know you guys have struggled. I know there's, you know, it, we're just, <laughs> I know right now there's, there seems to be more lockdown in Chicago than, than a lot of the other parts of the country. And I'm sure that's a struggle, especially with winter and, um, you know, you want to get out and people want to go have a drink and that's how Chicago people live. They're just, they're they're vivacious human beings, you know, and, um, you know, the amazing music that, that that city has created. And, um, you know, And I know there's been, you know, some, some bloodshed in that city over the last few years. And, the, you know, and it always makes you sad because I, I just think it's such a great city, but you'll, you'll get through it. You know, we all will. And, um, now we'll look back on this, I hope and go, all right, you know what? You know, it just made me stronger, and, that, and that's usually how life goes.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think, you know, the, the old saying is, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And definitely a lot of people yep. have passed, you know, during because of COVID. But, you know, this is going to teach a lot of lessons for people, too. You know, appreciate things like like you said, you know, live shows and sporting events and things that we took for granted for a long time that now we realize this can all be taken away You know, in in a matter of moments, you know, because of this, that or the other. And I think it's it's maybe it does start that, you know, to rejuvenate people and and have people learn to appreciate things, because I do think we we, we have seemed to have strayed from that where we do take things for granted. We think things are always going to be there and we're learning, you know, this year that it's not always the case.
2: Yeah, well, of course. You know, that's an understatement, you know, what you're saying. I mean, you know, how about uh, taking for granted people? You know, that's something, you know, yeah. loved ones, you know. So, like, yeah, I mean, it, these are the kind of things you, you know, it, like I said, I, 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 was, I was frustrated on my ride home, although not too frustrated because every time I ride my bike, it's actually a great feeling, and I rarely feel so frustrated doing that. But, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I really am, and I really want to be. Because I think it's important for my own sanity, let alone for my kids and for the people around me. But um, you know, I, I, I think this is we'll look back and we'll just say it, it will make people stronger and um, and and thank goodness for music and and or movies and or television or art in any other form or connections with people and relationships uh, that perhaps maybe developed out of this and um, you know it from everything you know. It's, it's, it's always darkest before the dawn. and it can come up with a lot of goofy metaphors. I don't want to go there, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's um, you know, it's it's something that will come out of this, and will probably it will be, hopefully it'll be a burst of humanity that comes out of it, and that'll that'll be cool. That'll be a great thing. Then
0: we will keep our fingers crossed. And on that. Yeah. It's time to close the interview. John, thank you very much for doing this interview. Ever since I was nine years old on a Friday night watching Night Flight and I saw the video for Uh Can You Deliver, I've been a fan of Armored St. ever since. So thank you. I really do appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Oh, Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I always just love just chatting. That's always the best interviews anyway. So thanks for having me on the show. Stay healthy. And uh, we'll see you in Chi-Town soon enough
0: absolutely absolutely once again everybody that's john bush from armored saint i'm jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast stay safe stay healthy and we will talk again soon thank you